if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you. Past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer. It's a Thursday, the second morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2020. Tomorrow is the officially recognized national holiday celebrating our independence, which will technically be on Saturday, the 4th of July. So we will not have a live show tomorrow. We will have a best of show for you, as many others will be doing as well. And I would caution you and remind you, to enjoy the living daylights out of the actual observed holiday tomorrow and the actual holiday on Saturday because it is probably the last time you will ever be able to do so. The United States is evil. It is inherently racist. Its founders are are, uh, the same. And starting next year under a Biden presidency with a full Democrat-controlled Congress, they will likely outlaw any celebration of American independence which, of course, was founded on slavery. That is what is going to happen. So enjoy the fireworks, enjoy the festivities, enjoy the celebration of the greatest civilization ever created in the history of man, called the United States of America, 240-plus years, uh, will be ended. The celebration thereof, anyway, will be ended next year. All right, let's uh, bring Dr. Everett Piper back onto our program. Excuse me. Dr. Piper is a former university president. He is a current Washington Times columnist. He hosts a radio show in Oklahoma, and he is also the author of a best-selling book um, called "No," or excuse me, called "Not a Daycare." I almost said "No Safe Spaces." That's a movie by our friend, <laughs> Doctor, or by our friend uh, uh, Dennis Prager. Dr. Piper, good to have you back on the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Bob. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for joining us in the midst of travel. I assume you're pulled over for a little while or on a break. Yeah, I'm in Missouri right now, heading up. uh, I'm going to go right through your backyard tomorrow as I head up to Lake Ontario, a little cottage we've got up there at a uh, family camp, a church family camp. Beautiful. That's awesome. So enjoy your time. I know you deserve it. Travel safely. Dr. Piper, I said on my program uh, earlier this week, um, and we had a pastor on who was a very, uh, very eloquent and powerful speaker who, um, uh, you know, I said, said to him and in introducing him, I said, you know, we need to turn to our faith, I think, maybe more now so than ever before. And I'm looking at all of the social ills that we are experiencing in this country. And I'm looking at the COVID crisis. I'm looking at the divided nation there with respect to how to deal with it and shut down or no shutdown, mask or no mask mask, etc. And then, of course, obviously, the racial strife that is going on right now and the attempted overthrow of the American government. And I said, we need God now more than ever. And the pastor gave some really wonderful, wonderfully reassuring words. Um, 
And so I think we do need to look to our faith. And when we look to our faith, oftentimes we look to our churches. And that is what made your column from this past, this, uh, past weekend's uh, Washington Times uh, uh, um, issue uh, so troubling. Because our church leaders, in many cases, are abdicating their responsibilities. As a matter of fact, rather than providing us with peace and comfort in the middle of all of this racial strife, they are feeding or fanning, perhaps, the flames of it. And your article about the Church of Holy Wokeness uh, is kind of a slap in the face of reality, not a not an insulting one, but just a wake-up call here that uh, we might not be able to look to our faith leaders for answers here because they seem to have been taken in by the activists. Well, yeah, my Washington Times column that you're referring to, I titled it that, The Church of Holy Wokeness, because of so many evangelical pastors out, out there right now that are, that are actually literally uh, bowing to this god of postmodernism, this god of Black Lives Matter. You see pictures of people by the thousands bowing in front of the statue of Martin Luther King Jr. in confession, in contrition, in penance. In penance, I guess, uh, it's, it's a religious act of bowing before these idols and these, these icons of our culture. Uh, you know, Dan Cathy of Chick-fil-A bows in front of a black colleague and washes his, or excuse me, shines his shoes. And, and the list goes on and on. The Democratic Party bowing with this kente stole that they have on. Um, it, it's, the, the disturbing thing is evangelical leaders are leading this charge and I want to emphasize again, Black Lives Matter is a neo-Marxist organization that stands for the overthrow of the Judeo-Christian ethic. And they're explicit in their website in saying that, but yet we have evangelical pastors bowing before Black Lives Matter in some sort of religious contrition. And as you know, I go through the article and I say, welcome to an affirming church that tells you you're born that way rather than you must be born again. Welcome to a church that bows to men rather than standing uh standing for God. Welcome to a church that worships what it sees in the mirror while denying what it reads in the Bible. And I go through this litany of things that is is stunning when you recognize that the church is supposed to be salt and light in a culture that is rotting and dark, and it is abdicating its role. However, let me be encouraging at the end of this article. Jesus tells us, he promises us, and if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, as I do, if we believe he's the second person of the triune God, as I do, and I believe many of your listeners do, we have to accept the fact that Jesus knew what he was talking about, and his promises are always kept. And he promised us, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. But he also told us there will be a time where there's a separation of the wheat from the chaff, from of the goats from the sheep. Is it possible that we're living in a time where that stark contrast between those that will bow to this golden calf of BLM is going to be separated from those that are actually following the Word of God and living according to what we're told in that inerrant, infallible, authoritative, revealed Word. So I'm an optimist. Jesus promised us, and I'm going to take that promise to the bank. But I also know there is a time where there's a separation of those that are false versus those that are true in their faith. And I think the stark contrast we see today is, is, is exactly that. Dr. Piper, you talk you talk in the article about the Great Awakening, and you've already hit on a lot of that. And I'm glad you you went to the optimism at the end, but I, I do want to go back and and just read a short portion of of your article that I found important enough to discuss a little further. You talk about the Church of of uh, uh, of uh, of wokeness, but you also call it the Church of intersectionality. 
over inerrancy. Pay attention to its high priests. Listen to their words. Hear their liturgy. Their virtuous virtue signaling. The dog whistles. The shouts to redistribute power and property. Learn their doctrine. The elevation of the group over the individual. The belief in government more than God. The parroting of Marx, Lenin, and Mao. The ignorance of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Jesus. This is what concerns me. Is that it? Literally, and I know you're being metaphorical, kind of when you call it calling this a church, but it really is. I think many people have agreed that you know the global warming alarmism that has been pushed for the last thirty years has become a religion to those people, and I think that the the virtue signaling that you talk about and the bowing uh, before racial activists and those who who wish to conquer uh, or to divide us and conquer us, I, I really do. I think it has become religious more. So so than ac- our actual religions, uh, and and that concerns me a great deal. Well, here's here's where we're at fault. Where did all this stuff start? It starts in our schools and it starts in our churches, where we stopped teaching the word. When you have a high view of self and a low view of scripture, it never ends well. I'll say that one time, one more time. When you have a high view of self and a low view of scripture, it never ends well. And for example. I, I was talking to a, uh, a relative of mine just today that is in a very large evangelical church, very large, about 12,000 in attendance every week. Mm-hmm. And one of the reading assignments for professional development among the staff is the book White Fragility. Well, White fr- Fragility is a neo-Marxist screed. Well, my, my relative knew what the book was about, and he actually confronted the pastor and said, have you read this? It's really not a book that's going to be helpful for a Bible-believing evangelical church in terms of professional development. And the pastor said, oh, no, I haven't read it. I mean, how <laughs> this is the softness of mind, heart, and soul that exists within the church. We buy the lie, we drink the Kool-Aid, we think that the narrative of Black Lives Matter, because of course all lives matter, so how can we stand against it? We must bow in submission to them, because it's the right thing to do to be helpful and loving and caring. No, read the stupid book. The book stands against Christianity. It stands for the downfall of the Judeo-Christian ethic. Read the book. Stop being lazy. Do your homework. Have some spine. Very, very well said and articulated, and that's exactly what I, I, I need people to hear, and I need to hear more of, really, uh, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit frightened of, a, of the way some of our leadership is uh, is handling this, and, and doing so ignorantly, willfully ignorantly, by refusing to read and to study it. Uh, Dr. Piper, we're going to use this to take our break. We Obviously, when we talk about religion, we talk about faith, we talk about, of course, God's law. We should all be following God's law, but we also do need to follow the rule of law uh, from humanity, and that, of course, means... We do have laws that govern our civilization, and we need to enforce those laws. Right now, we are on the precipice of wiping out anybody who is charged with enforcing the rules and the laws of man in order to keep civilization civil. Uh, We're wiping out police officers. We're wiping out, essentially, all law uh, in the United States of America. And I want you to talk about what that means and what that will look like going forward. Dr. Everett Piper, right back with us after this. Okay, 1022, we've got a good segment left here with Dr. Everett Piper uh, on this um, 
holiday, pre-pre-holiday, pre, I guess we would call it, since the actual holiday is on Saturday, but tomorrow is the observed celebration of our independence. Dr. Piper, our independence was made possible, obviously, by heroes who fought and put their lives on the line to create this country. Uh, this independence has been confirmed by those who fought and defended this country, and quite frankly, uh, our independence is only guaranteed because we have people who continue to fight and put their lives on the line to make sure that we can live free of crime, free of oppression, free of, uh, of all kinds of threats and dangers. And uh, those heroes are our police officers. Now, we all know that the horrific incident in Minneapolis, Minnesota, is indefensible. No one, and I mean literally, I've not heard one person, I do media for a living, I've not heard one person say what uh, Officer Derek Chauvin was not anything less than, uh, did, was not anything less than murder. Everyone agrees upon that. But having said all of that, this nationwide condemnation and now active defunding of police is going to make it more difficult, if not impossible, to protect innocent people um, from violent criminals who unfortunately exist in our society in many different forms. Uh, Dr. Piper, what is this country going to look like if we do continue what has become the activist trend of a billion dollars from the New York Police Department? Uh, I think, what is it, uh, uh, $500 million or something like that from Los Angeles. Minneapolis has defunded their police while their councilmen who voted to do it uh, hire private security, armed private security, uh, at an expense to the taxpayer in the ultimate uh, hypocrisy. But how can our society survive if we don't have rules and we don't have laws, and we don't have somebody to enforce those rules and laws, Dr. Piper. I think of a a quote from G.K. Chesterton, and he said, it is indeed the supreme absurdity of the modern world that it imagines that it can, uh, that it imagines it can introduce anarchy into the intellect without introducing anarchy into the commonwealth. One more time. The supreme absurdity of the modern world that it imagines that it can introduce anarchy into the intellect without introducing anarchy into the commonwealth. We have taught anarchy in our schools. We've broken down the Judeo-Christian ethic in our schools. We have taught our kids that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as it works for you. We have taught them that morality is relative and not absolute. We've taught them that there is no such thing as an absolute truth, and that's absolutely true this self-refuting nonsense that we've taught in our schools. And if there are people out there that want to say, oh, you're picking on the teachers, you're picking on the schools. No, I know there's some good teachers out there trying to do a good work, fighting the good fight in the belly of the beast, but this is my industry, education, and I know the ivory tower is at fault for what you see right now. When you introduce anarchy into the mind, you cannot expect anything other than to get anarchy in the streets. In the Commonwealth, as G.K. Chesterton said, you started the show by saying this is the last time that our that we will celebrate uh, the fourth of july in our nation it'll be illegal if joe biden gets elected well let me let me uh, just list a couple things and i'll say well that'll never happen (laughs) if if i would have told you if you would have said last year that there would be a move to tear down statues of george washington across the nation that there would be a move to tear down statues of thomas jefferson that there would be a move to deface the statues of Abraham Lincoln, and to remove the statues of him as the great emancipator, a statue that was paid for completely by freed slaves. They bought a statue. They had it commissioned. They put it up in a park in Washington, D.C., and now they're tearing it down. There would be a move to tear down these things. If you told people a year ago that all this was going to happen, they would have said, oh, that'll never happen. That's crazy. 
Well, it did happen. They're actually calling to remove Mount Rushmore. There's a movement to remove Mount Rushmore because it has the face faces of white supremacists on it, quote-unquote. That'll never happen. Well, it did happen. Now, if you predict that next year we won't have a celebration of the 4th of July, that the flag will be taken down and replaced by a different flag, that the Constitution will be removed and replaced by a different Constitution, that the Declaration of Independence will be declared a white supremacist screed and document. If, if I said all that's going to happen, some people listening will say, well, that'll never happen. Well, really, really, look what happened thus far in our culture. Why? Because we introduced anarchy into the mind, and we will have anarchy in the streets. If you would have said a year ago that there is going to be a move to defund the police across the nation, people would have said, you're out of your mind, Bob. That's crazy. You've got a tinfoil hat on. Well, here we are. And it's the Wild West. There is anarchy, and you're going to have vigilanteism because vacuums are always filled. If you create a vacuum, it's going to be filled, and it's always going to be filled by something very ugly and very, very oppressive. If it's not filled by a biblical worldview, it'll be filled by the tyranny of, it'll be filled by the rule of the gang or the tyranny of one. It will start as self-defense and then progress into vigilantism. Uh, I think you're 100% right. We saw what happened uh, over the weekend with the two lawyers standing in front of their home in St. Louis after an angry mob broke through an iron gate and accessed their private property and uh, and and displayed weapons. Uh, and the two homeowners went inside and got their weapons and said, we are here and we are going to defend our property. Now, they are under investigation, by the way, uh, by St. Louis um not district attorney, but a, but a prosecutor, uh, for threatening a crowd, a violent, uh, a violent mob of, of anarchists who had just broken through the gate and accessed their private property. But that's what's going to happen. People are going to arm up for self-defense, and then eventually it's not just going to be self-defense, but when crimes are committed, there are going to be groups, neighbor groups, neighborhood watch groups, who are going to go on the hunt to find those who did it and, and, uh, and, and take people out because there will not be police who are able to do so. And if this is what they want to create, if this is the anarchy that they want to create, they're on the path to doing so, aren't they? They are. And here's, here's the thing, defending private property. They'll claim that there is no such thing as private property because the property that you claim is yours and private unto you was stolen by you through your white supremacist and your white privilege, and that property should be given back to whoever. So they'll claim you don't have the right to defend it because it's not even yours. So you will be held at fault for standing in defense of the things that you've worked to own because you've owned them illegitimately because of quote-unquote white privilege. Well, yeah, that'll well, it, it will all be considered community property. I mean, because that's what socialism is. And and if you notice, uh, all of the you you mentioned all the statues and the uh, the protests of Mount Rushmore and so forth. Everything that's been defaced has been marked uh, noticeably by three different organizations: BLM, which is Black Lives Matter, a Marxist organization; uh, by Antifa, and by uh, revolutionary communists, the Revcom USA movement. They are the ones who are marking all of these and they're tagging on these things. So this is who what we're talking about here. We are literally talking about an attempt to destroy, as you say, private property, make it all community property, erase borders and boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, to close it out, Dr. Piper, so you can get back on the road, and yet, when they built their own little utopia up in Seattle called the Chop Zone or the Chaz Zone or whatever, what is the first thing they did? They established borders and put up barriers and walls to make sure that nobody else could get inside. So just, just the hypocrisy of it all. Welcome to Animal Farm, where some animal, where all animals are equal, but only some animals are more equal than others. 
Dr. Everett Piper, terrific work as always. Travel safely, good sir, and we'll talk to you next week. Blessings. Bye-bye. 10.30, time for the news, and your phone calls to follow, and 14.20, the answer. The next success story. Brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Okay, 10.36. So, um, <clears throat> I've been warning, you know, and I think very correctly uh, and accurately that if Joe Biden is to win the presidency in November, and his polling right now says that he will, I'm not giving up, by the way, this is just an acknowledgement of what it says right now, that the assault that we are currently witnessing on American history, and quite frankly on America, because when you shift the subject from removing Confederate statues like Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, etc. When you stretch it from there to okay, well, that was the South. Those were the segregationists. Those those were the those were the um, secessionists. Really, those are the ones who seceded and said we don't want to be a part of an America that didn't have slavery and and other complaints that they made. Okay, uh, you know that that's one thing. Still, you can make an argument for leaving them up for the purposes of understanding American history, but. If you want to talk about removing the Confederate statues, it's a conversation that can be had. When you stretch beyond that to trying to destroy the other side, the actual United States of America, and those who fought for and defeated, fought for freedom and liberty for all Americans and defeated that Confederacy, talking about from Grant, the general who led the Union forces, to Lincoln, who directed them, who then emancipated uh, uh, slaves, and you are assaulting and tearing down their statues and monuments, when you then go to all people who own slaves, with the exception, of course, of liberal Democrats or founders of institutions that we like, and so therefore we go after Washington and Jefferson and virtually all of the founding fathers and declare that they themselves must be canceled, you then must cancel what they created, which is the Constitution. And then the cancel culture would then, by extension, have to cancel the country as it is currently comprised, the foundation upon which it was built. And so if Joe Biden wins and Democrats take control, the the movement to cancel all of American history and all of America's greatness will be on in full. What we're seeing now will be expanded tenfold or more. You won't have Independence Day next year. It will be removed as a national holiday. How dare we celebrate the independence of a nation that was born when some people weren't independent and some were still enslaved, therefore. And like I said, the hypocrisy here must be noted. Yale University, one of the Ivies, one of the two most renowned American universities, Harvard and Yale, Yale and Harvard. Yale University was founded by a man named Elihu Yale. Elihu Yale was a slave trader, not just a slave owner, not just a plantation owner, and not somebody who did own slaves and then fought actually to end slavery, a la George Washington. 
He was a slave trader. He was involved in the capture and sale of human beings into bondage. That's the name on the Yale University, and no one on the left is fighting to remove it. No one is trying to cancel Yale the way they are trying to cancel. John Wayne made some pretty questionable statements about race 50, 60 years ago. They're trying to remove John Wayne's name from an airport that bears it in California because of what he once said that was racist. Elihu Yale was a slave trader. Yale University can't be touched. They're trying to remove statues of George Washington... They're trying to remove statues of anybody that had anything that had anything to do with slavery or with racism in any form whatsoever. No matter how much they made up for that, no matter how much they dove, devoted their lives to ending that shame and atoning for it, which of course so many of them did, in, you know, in terms of our founding fathers. But Robert Byrd can't be touched. Robert Byrd, Democrat senator who died in 2010, has a statue honoring him in his native West Virginia, and it can't be touched. This despite Robert Byrd believing things like this, quote, I shall never fight in the armed forces with a Negro by my side. Rather, I should die a thousand times and see old glory trampled in the dirt, never to rise again, than to see this beloved land of ours become degraded by race mongrels a throwback to the blackest specimen from the wilds. Those were the words of Robert Byrd in a letter to Senator Theodore Bilbo, a Democrat from Mississippi, to segregationist racists. And Robert Byrd's statue stands tall. It can't be touched. Joe Biden, the Democrat nominee for president, Joe Biden, has made more racist remarks than than we can even count. When is that living, breathing statue going to be toppled? You remember during the debate, one of the debates, rather, uh, in the primary fight, when Joe Biden made his comments, and we, we all got a great kick out of him talking about record players. You remember this, right? You remember the, the question that was asked uh, about Joe Biden, uh, uh, he was asked, quote, you said that some 40 years ago, but as you stand here tonight, what responsibility do you think that Americans need to take to repair the legacy of slavery in our country? And Joe Biden's response was to essentially call black parents incapable of educating their children. Nobody paid attention to the racist statement because everybody got a kick out of him talking about record players and phonographs because he thinks this is still 1940, I guess. Nobody paid attention. Do you remember this? Joe Biden's answer, in part read, we make sure that we bring in to help the teachers deal with the problems that come from home. The problems that come from home. We have one school psychologist for every 1,500 kids in America today. It's crazy. The teachers are, I'm married to a teacher. My deceased wife is a teacher. They have every problem coming to them. Make sure that every single child does, in fact, have three, four, and five-year-olds go to school, not daycare, to school. And we bring in social workers into homes of parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. 
It's not that they don't want to help. They don't want. They just don't quite know what to do. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have your record player on at night. The phone, make sure that kids hear words. A kid coming from a very poor school, a very poor background, will hear four million words, uh, four million words fewer spoken by the time they get there. So everybody laughed at the fact that he was thinking people still listen to record players, and they ignored the fact that what he said was is that, and and this is dovetailing off of another statement he made when he said, "Poor kids can learn just as well as white kids can," essentially declaring all of Black America to be poor. There's poor kids, and then there's white kids, essentially declaring all white kids to be advanced, privileged, if you will. But then he said, we need to bring in social workers into the homes of black parents because they don't quite know what to do. Joe Biden, you know, and and that's just, you know, one small example. Joe Biden, the segregationist, of course, who, who, who just violently opposed busing of black kids into white schools and white suburban areas and neighborhoods, said in 19... This isn't 1947. 1977. Joe Biden said that integrating black students into white neighborhoods and white schools would turn schools into a jungle, a racial jungle. Literally said, and I quote, I don't want my children to grow up in a jungle, a racial jungle. And this is the guy the Democrats say should be elected because Donald Trump is a racist. Joe Biden has been making racist statements and advancing segregationist causes throughout his entire public career. You want to tear down a statue, tear down the living, breathing one that sits in his basement in front of a teleprompter every day trying to run for president. It is amazing to me that in a time when the the leftist activist groups are calling for racial equality, that they will not call out things like Robert Byrd, the Democrats' history of running the KKK, Joe Biden's history of racial and racist statements, his praise for racial segregation is upon their death. And they want to sit here and try to claim that Donald Trump is the racist. I mean, it's really a staggering thing. Let's go to um, TJ. On AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ. Thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Yeah, you know, Bob, they're pushing this too far. That just wasn't the name of John Wayne. That's a statue they want to tear down in front of that, you know, airport. But now we got two senators in Ohio that are toying with the idea of changing the name of military bases. Now, I know Sherrod Brown never served, and I don't think Portman did either. And I don't think these two realize how important history is to military people. They want to change the name of Fort Bragg, home of the 82nd Airborne. Fort Benning, home of the American Infantry and Jump School. They want to change the name of Fort Hood, home of the legendary 1st Cavalry Division. Mm -hmm. Now, the next thing they'll be saying is, well, you know, Cavalry, that's kind of racist. They were hunting and and, and fighting Indians. We should change the name maybe to the 1st Equestrian Division. These people are nuts. And and, and we got to stop this nonsense already. Who the hell is Sherrod Brown and Portman to step up and talk about taking history away from the thousands of people that serve and call these places their home. I'd like to know, like I said, what uh, past veterans and stuff that served in these units and, and call this place home, what they think about these two senators. The only change that should be made is ex-Senator Sherrod Brown and ex-Senator uh, Portman. 
I mean, I this, completely this agree. Ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think, I think senators like that should absolutely be canceled. I don't care if they have R's after their names or D's. And t- thanks for the call, TJ. Last night on Tucker Carlson, he took to task the entire Republican Senate uh, um, uh, majority, and he's right too. The Republicans are doing nothing to help conservative causes, and that means law and order in the Constitution at all. They are bowing to the will of the the activists. They, again, are allowing the activists to dictate and determine the narrative uh, that this country will be run by. Because you had two of them, he was featuring two of them, who were agreeing to vote to uh, cancel Columbus Day, to get rid of Columbus Day, which is just part of it. Like I said yesterday and again today, Independence Day is on the chopping block. Watch and see. Columbus Day cannot be celebrated because uh, Columbus, by the way, who is an Italian, who was sailing uh, for the French, or at least on the dime of the French, um, came to the New World. He died over 500 years ago. But it led to, obviously, the uh, uh, driving of Native Americans from their land, and so he's got to go. Well, okay, if, the, if that's the, the, the mantra and if that's the, uh, the, the model that they're going to follow as far as who gets canceled, wait and see what happens to Mount Rushmore. Wait and see what happens to Washington's monument. Will that great beacon in the, in the, uh, in the, la- the um, uh, skyline of Washington, D.C., the Washington, Mon- Washington Monument still be there five years from now? Not if Joe Biden wins. I don't believe it will. Do you think that the great emancipator himself and the Lincoln Memorial at the end of that great mall in D.C. will still be there five years from now? I do not. Not if, not if Joe Biden and the Democrats win full control of the government. They hate this country and its founders so much that they are literally listening to those who wish to destroy this country and establishing policy on that basis. The Marxists who run Black Lives Matter, the revolutionary communists who work with them and with Antifa, the Antifa organization itself, the revolutionary abolitionists, there are so many organizations who are working together because they have the shared goal of eliminating the capitalist republic called the United States of America and replacing it with a socialist system of oppression in which they have all the power. It's, it's, it's not a question anymore. It's just not. It's not debatable. It's reality. And there are not enough conservative Republicans in the Senate or the House to stop it And there are going to be even fewer based on the polling if we don't change things drastically between now and November 3rd. Final segment coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Working on some stage in L.A. Did you stand there in shock at the sight of that black smoke rising against that blue sky? Did you shout? Let's get a couple more calls in before the uh, top of the hour and the end of the show. Again, we're on tape tomorrow with a best-of show. We're going to have some great interviews and some of the most uh, best uh, conversation segments, monologues, and phone calls uh, tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for that, and we'll be back live again on Monday. Uh, Illyria, Rick, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, Bob, are you familiar? I know you're familiar with the song Amazing Grace. Are you familiar with the history? Uh, somewhat. Yeah, 
It was written by a former a slave, slave yep. on a ship, and he come to find the Lord, and then he sings the song, and that song reflects his salvation turning. No, you're you're right, Rick, and thanks for the phone call. It is a glorious song, and yes, that history is is accurate. I could go into more detail on it if I had a little time to prep and refresh myself on it. But yes, I do know the history generally of who wrote it, how it was written, and what it meant to them. Uh, and it is something that is still glorious today, and uh, and we all are in need, quite frankly, of a little bit of amazing grace right now. Uh, Westlake, Jeff, AM fourteen twenty, the answer. Hi, Jeff. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. I met you at the uh, Republican Party here in Westlake. Uh... I asked you if you, uh, I asked you to look up Joshua Reed Giddings, who happened to be the one that started the Republican Party here in Ohio. Uh, he was an abolitionist in the Shining Soldier Sailors Monument downtown Cleveland with, uh, at the, uh, Soldier Sailors Monument. I, I do, I do remember that conversation. Yes, sir. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that's my family. That's what I was saying. It wasn't for my family. There wouldn't have been an Abraham Lincoln. There wouldn't have been a Republican Party. People don't get that part of the history. They hear about Abraham Lincoln. And I just want to share that with you to kind of get that out a little bit more. Oh, and, and you know, hey, I, I respect and appreciate that, Jeff. We should all, we should know that. Thank you for the call. We should know the history like that of the Republican Party. And, and just as, just as importantly, if not more importantly, and I'm sorry, we need to know the history of the Democrat Party. It's the history that's hidden. It's the history, and it's not ancient history. It is modern history of the Democrat Party. Back in the 60s, they were the ones who opposed civil rights for crying out loud. It took the Republican Party to get the Civil Rights Act passed. It was the Democrat Party that continued, still is the Democrat Party, that holds African Americans down. And how do I know that? Where's the proof of that? Open your eyes. Every big city filled with high crime and low African American graduation rates, low American or, or higher uh, African American poverty rates, higher dropout rates, and on and on down the line are, are, are cities that are run for decades and decades and decades by Democrat policies. Democrat mayors, Democrat councils, over and over and over again. They do everything they can to keep the African American population down so that they have what? They have to come to the government for help. And then the government says, here you go, we'll help you with this subsidy or that. And then they tell the, the, uh, the African-American community, remember who gave that to you? We did. Vote for us and we'll keep giving it to you. Okay. Rather than lifting, as President Trump and the Republican Party historically has done, lifting the African-American experience from one of needing the government for, for help to the one of total independence, true liberation, true freedom of being able to graduate schools, go get jobs, go advance, and live the same American dream that we all can. Democrats are terrified of that prospect. That's why they have kept the the, the, the African Americans in this country down for as long as they have. Make them beholden to the government for assistance, then provide that assistance, and they'll keep you in power. And 90% of African American votes go to Democrat candidates for president every time around on that basis. That history needs to be told. You want to tell the, the, the history of the, uh, the Republican Party, and I'm with you. But more importantly, perhaps, it's time to tell the history of the evil, racist Democrat Party. And we're not talking, again, ancient history. We're talking recent history. We're talking modern history. And quite frankly, we're talking present day. That's going to do it for the authority on this Thursday. Again, we are on tape tomorrow with a best of show uh, in observance of the official holiday. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe and be free. We'll see you Monday.